Okay, why don't you open it with your Bible with me in John chapter uh, 16. <clears throat> John 16. And I want to, I didn't get really finished through the last message, so, so, but that's okay. I'll just add to it this time. And uh, I want us to talk about, and it's interesting that Aaron picked this theme up about uh, becoming aware or cultivating the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Cultivating the presence of the Holy Spirit, becoming aware of Him. And uh, if we're not aware of Him, we're pretty well living either by routines or we're living out of laws. Uh, we need to develop an awareness of God in our life and God with us. And it's very simple to do. It's not as if it's really complicated. So I want to just lay out for you, first of all, just two or three basic scriptures, and then the keys I'll give you uh, are practical, and they work. They're, they only work if you do them, of course, and do them consistently. But uh, in this coming season, as we're doing a study together uh, of the Holy Spirit and His work in our life and uh, accessing His presence. Uh, the message I've been doing are uh, to complement that and just also help you be encouraged in becoming aware of the Holy Spirit. People get a little confused. They say, well, who do I pray to? And yeah, I pray the Father, and I pray to Jesus, I pray the Holy Spirit. We can pray to all three if you like. It doesn't really matter. Um, the Father is in heaven. Uh, the Father is the architect of everything that uh, uh, all of God's plans originate from the Father. The Son is the one who implements them. He's the one who came to implement the Father's plan. Father, not my will, but your will. And Jesus is risen. Jesus is in heaven too. Uh, but the Spirit of God has been sent into the earth to live in us, with us. And his role, there's many aspects to his role, but a primary role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus Christ to us. So as we move the church into a new season of wanting to have a greater focus on Jesus Christ, you're not going to get to know him better by trying harder. You get to know him better by allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal him to you. So our attention on the Holy Spirit is not taking attention away from Jesus Christ. It's learning how to connect with him because he is the one who reveals Jesus to us, makes him known to us, and in making him known to us, you find the Holy Spirit will always put the attention on him. But you and I are given the Holy Spirit as a friend, so we need to know how to cultivate our connection with him and how to hear from him. And we'll just look at a couple of verses now, then I'll, I'll give you some practical things. John chapter 16, verse 7. <clears throat> Jesus is talking about ascending into heaven, He's talking about his death on the cross. This is his, pretty well his last message to his disciples. And uh, then he says, well, these things I've told you, and sorrow has filled your heart. So he's told them that he has to go, he's going to ascend, give his life on the cross, then go to heaven. And, uh, and they're very sorrowful, of course. Imagine that. You know, you've given your life to following someone for three years, then they tell you right at the height of success, you, he's about to pull the plug on it. Now, I mean, that was hard for them to understand. And we, we don't understand because we see it from our point of view. But the disciples thought that Jesus was going to bring in a kingdom and overcome the Romans. And so they were very much looking forward to him bringing a kingdom in. And so they could not figure out this thing about Jesus going. It just didn't work with them at all. But Jesus made this statement. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Here's the truth. He said, it's to your advantage, I go away. He said, it's actually better that I go away. A lot of people wish Jesus was still here, but if he was still here, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't have come to you and me. Uh, if Jesus was still here, you'd have to get on a plane to go over the Middle East to see him. You'd have to get in a queue. Everyone else would want to see him too. So Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave, because if I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he said, 
This is going to be a blessing to you. The greatest gift that God can give to you is His own Spirit coming to live within you. The Holy Spirit is God Himself coming to live within us. So wherever you are, God is there. So God is not up there. That's an Old Testament concept that if you want to find God, climb a mountain, go up because God is up. But it's quite obviously if we say God is up here, well, the people around the other side of the world are pointing the other direction, aren't they? It's got nothing to do with physical up. The same with high places. The people did altars in high places because they thought God was up. So they went up high so they could do that. We don't need to worry about high places and we don't need to go looking up. We need to look within. We need to see where the Holy Spirit is now. Same, a lot of people get confused and say, well, you know, this is holy ground. I was in one place. They said, we need to take off your shoes. It's holy ground. It was Asia. Now, I got the giggles, really, to tell the truth. I thought, well, that's just a lot of nonsense. And it really is. Yet people buy into it. Uh, The reason is, it's an Old Testament thing. Uh, God came and visited Moses, and Moses came near where God was, and God says, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. What made the ground holy? It was the presence of God there. Now, where is the presence of God now? The presence of God come to live inside you and me. So who's holy now? So you're holy because the Spirit of God is in you. And so the ground you stand on is holy ground. You don't take your shoes off, though. You're making the ground holy because you're there and God is in you. You see, see you've got to get your thinking right and get the other side of the cross and get out of Old Testament types of concepts about God that God is up there, and we're going to have to do something to bring him down. What we're needing to do is become aware God has come to live within us, and we have access to him all the time. And that our, our house, our body, is now become a house for God to live in, and it's also a gateway through which we can access the full realm of heaven and the things of God. Now, just that thinking alone, if you could get that established in your life, that wherever you go, you are the house of God, carrying the presence of God, and the people around you have access to God through you. Now, in the Old Testament, for example, Ezekiel had a vision. Everyone loves this vision. And the vision was very simply this. He saw, he saw a temple. He saw it was the house of God, and the glory of God was in it. And then he saw the doors. He said there was a river came out under the door, and it flowed eastward, and it flowed. And he got in the river, and as he walked in the river, and it got deeper and deeper as he walked. He, not as he crossed the river, as he went with the river, it got deeper. Until in the end, it became such a great deep river, he couldn't walk anymore. And now he's caught in a flow, and he's been carried by the river. And, of course, Jesus uh, 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 quoted virtually that when he said, now notice this, who's the temple of God now? We are, okay. He said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, and he's speaking about the Spirit. So it's not some temple in heaven, rather it's a corporate body and an individual people, and the Spirit of God is in you, and God wants you to learn to flow with the Holy Spirit, to let go control. So a lot of people are happy just to be in the river up to their ankles. When you're in the river up to your ankles, you're in total control. You move around, do anything. The river just has to make a way around you. Isn't that true? 
but you start to go with that river and the river gets deeper, then it gets to a point where actually the push of that river is starting to get you a little bit unsettled. Then finally, you are now floating. Ever been in a river that's moving, reasonably flowing, and you're in the river? I went there with Bruce. I fell out of my canoe, and then I was floating. And, and I've been in Wanganui River too, and I fell out of the canoe there as well, and I was floating, and there were rapids. Now, what I learned was this. It's no use fighting it. You actually have to surrender to the river's flow and then just make movements in it, and you can move across it and wherever but you're actually in a flow going where the river goes. And so God is wanting us to learn how to become aware of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, aware of His presence, and then learn to let go, stop and learn to control the world. Stop trying to play God. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. Learn to lean on Him and trust Him more. And when you lean on Him and trust Him more, you experience the joy of being out of control. That's scary for some people. I'm out of control. I want to be in control. I want to be God because I don't trust anyone. See, rather than actually learning to yield to the Holy Spirit and flow. You say, well, if I let go and, 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 and just let go control and, and let go to the Holy Spirit, what will happen to me? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? So what's going to happen to you? Think about it. Just think about it. And if you don't know what the answer is, you can have a look in the Old Testament, have a look at the New Testament. The answer is really clear. If you let go control and let the Spirit of God lead you and direct you and work through you, that's what it says in the Old Testament. It says that where did that river go? Well, it went to every dry place, and wherever it was dry, it made it live. How about that? So if you were to let go to the Holy Spirit, then there's a flow of life through you and it brings life everywhere. So when you go to a cafe, you bring life there. When you go to your home, you bring life there. Wherever you go, you bring life. Why? Because the river's in you. Now you've got to get that concept established and learn how to let go control. Control is based in fear. Letting go control means you come to Understand how much God loves you, and love overcomes fear. Love energizes faith and trust that God can do stuff. And it's all good. Have a look where the flow went with Jesus. It always went to heal people and love people. In fact, the flow of the river, you know where the river will lead you? It will lead you to get to people who are hurting and broken and needy to help them. Because that's the heart of God. And Ezekiel saw it. He said, the dry place, the marshy place, the dry places, whoa, the dry places, they all become just full of life. There were fishermen hooking fish out of the river, speaking of people being saved. He said, every place the river went, it got healed. The only place it didn't do any good was the marshy place. That's where the water doesn't move. It's just a swamp. Swamp is where the water has got no outlet. So here's the thing you need to understand about the river of God. It's a river, not a pond. And it needs an outlet, otherwise it's a swamp. So you have to make the decision that I'm going to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit and learn if there's anything blocking that, I'm going to let go. 
And what's blocking it? Well, some bad experiences perhaps, uh, perhaps some areas of fear, some areas where your life's in bondage, perhaps demons holding you back. It doesn't really matter. Just as it comes, if you'll just make the decision to start to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit, you'll have an exciting journey ahead of you. Now, that would be really good, wouldn't it? You know, in the New Testament, they didn't have a Bible or an iPad, or a little phone, or anything like that. They just had one gift. That was the Holy Spirit. He knows how to fit things together and plan things better than you do. In spite of all your cleverness with planning, have you noticed it doesn't always work out? In fact, many times it's a disaster. See, but God can work everything. It says he works everything together for your good. So I've got to learn to let go and trust the Holy Spirit. Let go to him. That's what Jesus said. I'm going. Let go of me. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you, and he is the helper, the one who comes near to help you. So you've got a permanent helper in life. There is no reason for any Christian to be moaning and groaning and complaining whatsoever when you have God himself within you to help you. Your problem is not what's happening around you. It's just not believing God is who he says he is and can do what he wants to do through you, through you, through you. What's stopping him work through you? Well, that's the thing to hook out those things that stop God working. So what a great scripture that is, eh? Then notice what he'll do, verse 13. Here he is, he's the Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. So what is the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to lead you. He's going to lead you to look at life from God's point of view. So you see reality. A lot of things are quite an illusion. And then when you see the reality, you think, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. Hey, next thing, he'll speak what he hears. In other words, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he's going to tell you what the Father and Jesus are talking about your life. And I said, he'll reveal, uh, he'll take the things of mine and he'll glorify and he'll declare it to you. So in other words, the Holy Spirit will constantly reveal Jesus because the Spirit of God, it's his work, it's his job description, is to reveal Jesus and to help you become more like him and to bring Jesus through you to others. That's his job description. So anything in your life that stops you being Christ-like, the Holy Spirit's going to get on your case. And if you think you can hold yourself together, and uh, you won't. <laughs> you can't push against God. You can try, but it doesn't work. Better just to learn to let go and learn to yield to the Holy Spirit and to trust Him and enjoy the journey, enjoy the relationships. It's a lot of fun. He's amazing. He's kind. He's loving. And He's got some great attributes. I'll give you a couple of them, which are crucial ones to telling uh, of His activity in your life. Let's have a look in Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, verse 7. Romans 14, verse 7. Now, the kingdom of heaven is not drinking and eating. It's not about rules and regulations. Someone was sharing that even this morning. Eh? Not rules and regulations. It's not eating and drinking and doing this right and that wrong and, and don't break this law and don't do that. It's not a lot of do's and don'ts. He says, but it is these three things. It is righteousness, it is peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. And whoever serves Christ in these things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, is acceptable to God and approved by men. And last time I spoke, we talked specifically about the peace one. I want to pick up this aspect of the other. Now, notice this, that you, the, 
that it says here that the kingdom of heaven, when you're in the kingdom, experiencing the kingdom, then it is these three things. Righteousness, that is right standing with God as a son of God, a child of the living God. It's actually about a relationship where you're consistently connected. Second thing it is, it's peace. Now, you can feel peace. Peace is something you feel. Like when you're troubled, you feel troubled. When you're angry, you feel angry. When you're upset and anxious about something, you feel upset and anxious, and you get a bit snarky. (laughs) Start biting on people. See? But when there's peace in your heart, you can feel the peace, and everyone else can feel the peace. Now, the peace is an outworking of the Spirit of God in your life. That's one of the things he does, bring peace to you. So in Colossians 3.15, it says, he said, let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. So in other words, when you've got peace and you feel it rest inside, the Holy Ghost has brought that rest to you, and that's a signal you're walking okay with God. But if you lose the peace, that's a signal. Something's not right. Have a look and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what went wrong. He's the referee. So the Holy Spirit who brings peace is like a referee. The moment you lose your peace, stop and ask God where I lost it and how I lost it, what I need to do. But notice the second thing there, it mentions, the third thing mentioned there is joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy. Some of you don't look very joyful. You look really serious. See, joy is a, is a fruit. First of all, it's a fruit. Galatians 5.22 It is a fruit. It is something that develops and grows in your life as a consequence of yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, people everywhere want to be happy. And so they go to the pub to be happy. They buy this to be happy. They buy that outfit to be happy. They buy the, they do things to be happy. But, you know, happiness is not the same as joy. Joy is a quality of God inside you where you are happy on the inside, no matter what's going on on the outside. And I tell you now, the church needs a lot more joy of the Holy Ghost. Joy is always associated with the Holy Spirit having freedom to move. The lack of joy is evidence you're getting religious. You say, well, not me. Oh, no, I go to Pentecostal church. I wouldn't be religious. Don't you believe it. Oh, don't you believe it. Look for the fruit. If you're down and pooch mouth and miserable and heavy and serious, you're not flowing in the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit is a joyful spirit. Man, he's, everywhere you look in the Bible where the Holy Spirit moved, there was great joy. Jesus, well, it says he was anointed. One of the anointings on him was he was anointed with joy. And uh, you think about that being anointed. Everyone wants all kinds of anointings. How about some of you just for the next month, just focus on joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost, becoming a more joyful person. You say, well, I don't feel very joyful. (laughs) Well, that's right. You just continue down that little muddy road there and that lack of joy. Actually, there's a river available that you can drink from that brings great joy to you. And there's a part you play, you choose to live out of your emotions and feelings and circumstances, or you choose to live out of your spirit. You live out of your spirit, and there's a river in there, and it's called a river of joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Look what it says in Romans 15, 13. It says, now, 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 now. Not in the future, not one day. Now, 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 now. 
It says, the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace. There it is again. Fill with joy and peace through believing. You've got to, uh, you've got to assert faith. You've got to choose to believe God in His Word. In the believing, you release the Spirit of God to release joy in your life. And some people have got so used to being melancholic, they think that that's me. Actually, that's what you used to be before you died and you were buried in baptism. Now you still, you need to be living out of the new man. The new man is a joyful person. Come on. The new man in Christ that rose up out of the waters of baptism is a joyful person. And a kind person, a loving person, a peaceful person. That is the new creation. Don't go back living back out of the old. If you are, you're in bondage. Then you need to get free of the bondage. See, joy of the Holy Ghost. I find that one of the things that everywhere I go, we have a lot of laughter. I just have a lot of laughter. Because people everywhere I go, churchy people are far too serious. They just are into, I don't know what they're into, but the Holy Ghost is a joyful spirit. You know, the Holy Ghost move, book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, there was great joy in the city. (laughs) Holy Ghost joy. Now, I've seen the Spirit of God come into some churches trying to bring joy to them, and they just, the moment they, the the, the, the Asians are unusual, they do this. They they just put their hand over their mouth and stop that joy. Stop it. I think that's crazy. God's starting to do something like that in your life. Yield to it. Laugh more. You know what the Bible, what Paul writes? He says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. In other words, you can choose to celebrate and rejoice and then be in the flow of that joy of the Holy Spirit. Or you can wait until you feel like it. Well, if you have a few drinks of red wine, you'll probably maybe feel something that's a little like it. It's a bit of a substitute, but may cheer you up for a little while. And the Bible says those that are about to die should take some wine. But, you know, we're about to live. And we need to live in the Holy Ghost. Live in the joy of the Spirit. Learn to laugh a lot. Learn to laugh more. Look at the strange and funny things that church people do and laugh a lot more. There are some strange things go on among God's people. That you get so used to them, you think it's normal. But people do strange things. They talk in a strange way that no one but them can understand. Well, the Holy Ghost is a joyful spirit. And the more you love on Him and enjoy Him, the more joyful you are. And it's a great thing to carry joy wherever you go. I believe that every time that I go into any place, I bring joy to them. And that's true. They always end up laughing. They have hysterics. They end up, I don't know, what they, whatever it is, we seem to lock into it. Next thing you know, people are laughing. I think it's great. I was at a pastor's conference last week, and I think I've laughed as much in my whole life. I just got into a stir with Shane and Clark Taylor, so you can imagine it just really got wild, you know. And so we, we just, uh, and Shane just, Shane was wiped out with laughter. He couldn't walk, he was laughing so much. It's, and it's not just some strange anointing, it's actually letting go to enjoy life and one another and relationships. Enjoy people and life rather than just trying to get so worried about controlling it all. Getting everything to just right. You should abandon being controller and trying to be God and just start to enjoy life a lot more, enjoy the flow of the Spirit. So let me just share with you some practical things. Now, every person can enter the presence of God. 
Now, you have that word enter, let's enter his presence. So I've got to talk into that because for most people, they sort of, we're going to enter the presence of God now. And yet, this is sort of language. You only hear it in church. And, uh, and we're, going to, we're going to come to church and we'll enter the presence of God. And, and usually that means that we're going to do something. And what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to do something that will get us up there. Or do something that will make God come down here. We've got all the language for it too, you know. We constantly use language that reinforces that kind of thinking, that I have to do something to get up there, or we do something to bring God here. What if we took on the truth? God is already here. The problem is not getting him here. The problem is becoming aware of him. Oh, I thought I had to go up there. Well, we should have a prayer tower on the roof, really high up. You'd be really closer to him, exactly. Or we could go on a plane and get really high. I'm really near to God now. It's Old Testament stuff. That's what Abraham did. He went up on a mountain because they thought God was up there. But Jesus said, God has now come to live within you. So you don't have to go up there, nor do you have to bring God down there. He's already in there. This is the truth. The Spirit of God has come to live inside us. See, what a great treasure is in this earthen vessel. So we need to become aware of Christ within. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Christ, the anointed, is within you. So you are to carry revival. And that has to do a lot with your yielding and cooperating with the Holy Spirit. It's all about personal yield. I'll give you a few things which I have found. It's not like it's a whole list of to-dos. It could be taken as a list of to-dos if you want to do that. But you know, it's just things that I have found cultivate the Holy Spirit in my life, cultivate the relationship. I have found that sometimes the best times God has moved, I was so tired I couldn't even pray. I said, I think I'm too tired to pray. I think I'll just have a sleep. Got up and felt much better, and I had a great meeting, and God came. No prayers of mine had brought him here. He came because I had connected with him and was in a place of rest. See, we, we have this thing where somehow I've got to fight to bring God here. As though he's reluctant. Are you telling me that God, who loved us so much, he sent his own son into the earth to die, is now reluctant and you've got to bend his arm for anything to happen? Doesn't make any sense. It's just a religious culture. You need to get rid of it and enjoy God. And that also means enjoying each other because God is in you and God is in you and God is in you and God is in you. So here's another religious thing where I've got to get up there. I bring God down here, but I can say what I like to any one of you and treat you as badly as I like, and it's not going to affect me in any kind of way. This is absolute religious nonsense. You've got to understand, if Jesus has come to live in us, then we have a responsibility Godward and peopleward. When, when, when Paul was persecuting the church and Jesus appeared to him, Jesus said, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? He said, whoa, How, what do you mean? You see, Jesus said, when you persecute the church, my spirit is in the church, that's my body, that's me representing my life again in the earth through a body of people, you're attacking me. That's why you can, 
we just as a matter of principle, you never criticize another Christian or speak about them or tear them down. You're attacking Christ, and then you want to have the life and joy of the Spirit? Give me a break. It doesn't happen that way. Because the very God who loves you also loves them. Loves them. He said, but they treated me so badly. Nevertheless, he still loves them and will pursue them. And what they did is their business and theirs with God. You just, your part is to maintain a forgiving spirit so you can manifest the life of the spirit. Okay, so let's have a look at some of the things you can do. Enter. So when we say enter, it really actually means, very simply, experience. I just need to be, if I'm going to enter the presence of God, God's already here. So what am I really wanting to do is I want to experience him or feel his presence. Not just have some head knowledge, just experience and feel his presence. So I found there's a, there's a number of things which are helpful to this, and they form, to, together they form a way of life that tends to keep the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life. So first one is a very simple one is praise. Praise. Praise, focusing my attention on lifting him up, exalting who he is, thinking about how great God is rather than how great all my problems are. Maybe you need to fast off the news, which is all toxic anyway, and start to read the good news about how good God is. And then begin to praise him, begin to lift him up and acknowledge his greatness. Uh, the other, another one very like that is gratitude. Gratitude is incredibly important if you want to experience the presence of God continually, to be grateful. The opposite to being uh, grateful is being ungrateful or critical or fault-finding or seeing lack everywhere. To be grateful means you see the benefits and blessings of what you have and you have a heart that's very thankful. So I found like, for example, I used to you know, say grace over the meals and and it's sort of become a ritual, and sort of you get into a bit of a pattern. And I kept thinking, I think one day, there's not much life in this, you know. I know it's a good thing to do, and the Bible says to bless me, but one, I haven't seen that much life. And then I realized that just a very simple, one simple shift changed it. Very simple. Instead of just saying, well, you know, uh, you know, bless us, say, Lord, and these like this, which I'm like, that we're about to receive. Instead of sort of just saying this sort of prayer, you know, and everyone mumbles it away and says, amen, <laughs> get in the food. You know, uh, instead of that, just stop for a moment and just be quiet. Just be quiet before you say anything. And just begin to think what it would be like to have no food, to be hungry and lacking. And then you look at what you've got and say, thank you, Lord, you've provided for me. Just all, it's just, all you've got to do is align your heart so your heart is in your words. Then your words have, can be brief but have more effect. So you could just quietly close your eyes for a moment and begin to think of how wonderful God is. Every day, three meals a day, and here's another wonderful meal. Thank you, Lord. You just bake beans on toast. How, thank you, Lord. I'm not going to starve right now. Thank you, Lord. This, just, this is really great. I've got peanut butter for the bread. Thank you, Lord. This is really good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And they say, well, thank you, Lord. And that's it. See? But it's, it's all to do with your heart of gratitude, appreciating God. Yeah, yeah, beast. Yeah, I'm starting to get hungry already just thinking about that <laughs> peanut butter. I actually got a bit of a thing for peanut butter. and It's not good for me, but I still like it. So, so, so gratitude. And it's interesting how, how in the Old Testament, the New, it, it equates 
gratitude and praise with entering the presence of God. You know, like in Psalm 100, let us come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. So, so basically it's saying then, if you want to experience the presence of God, start by just expressing gratitude, and, and the Bible says in Psalm 69, we magnify him, we make him bigger when we are thankful to him. So you begin to thank him, and then you become conscious of him. So gratitude and praise, and that's why, you know, we come into a church service, we shouldn't have to work hard to wind things up. You know, come, what do you use, close your eyes for just a moment, say, oh, I am so grateful, Lord, I'm just so thankful. I just want to sing and say something and do something, you know, and break out. Run around, jump up and down, get excited. You know, in Hebrews 13, it says, Let us offer a sacrifice of praise, even the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And God is well pleased. How about that? How about that? He's well pleased. And so a sacrifice of praise. And that sort of, that means jumping and leaping with joy. People who really get bound, you know, I think the seats bind us a fair bit. You, get, you see, it's not so bad in the front. You've got all this room to jump and praise and, and do whatever. But you get down sort of somewhere here, it's like it's a bit claustrophobic, you know. You know, stuck in here, especially in the middle somewhere over here. And when to try and do anything, wow, you know, that's sort of a bit, you can't even jump much here, you know. I wouldn't be very happy being in the seat at all. Not me. I'd rather be right down there in that back space or right up the front. I like to be near the front. I like to hear the music pumping and, and feel the atmosphere off the worship as well because I want to just get going with God. You, you sort of choose to do it, you know. You choose to be grateful or ungrateful. You choose to praise or to be silent. Said the dead praise not the Lord, neither those who become silent. So if I want to praise God and thank God, then that's a way I can begin to be experience his presence. I have to look up, come up, come down. No, what I need to do is let go of the river. Begin to express praise, express joy, express life, jump, dance, clap, run. Does it really matter? You, you see, it, it's, it's breaking out of just being passive and it's letting your body, soul, and spirit just express how grateful you are to God. I remember, you remember Robert, you know, Debbie's husband, Robert. Robert had MS, and Robert, I don't know, he couldn't move much, but I knew he could move his finger like that. That's about all he could move. And he was in a wheelchair, you know. And so he had this one of those little remote controls. He could make the wheelchair. He got around. He became one of my intercessors. Everywhere in the country, everywhere I went in the world, he would send me a message. I don't know how he did it with one finger, but he sent me a message. And he would pray. And they run a home group and all kinds of things. And I said to Robert one day, how are you doing, Robert? He said, look, I'm really upset. I said, what are you upset about? He said, well, I'd really love to be able to praise the Lord and, and dance and, and celebrate like everyone else can. I said, well, I said, you've got a wheelchair. Do some wheelchair spins. I said, just get that wheelchair, put it in fast forward and zoom. And I said, just zoom it and just go zooming and zoom round and round and round and zoom round the whole place. I said, why not? said, let what's in you get out. And the only way you can do it is push the lever and go flat out. It won't be too much. Just don't knock any of these old ladies over. Just try to you know, make sure you don't bump anyone down. And so I said, I tell you what, if you'll do that, I will shout for you and I'll run with you. I mean, do you remember that? We had that meeting? Well, that's what went on. 
That's, that's what went on before. So I saw he was over there, right over there. And this meeting, and we started to shout and enjoy the Lord. And he started going, oh, that, you know, hard when you're in a chair and you, all you can do is move a finger. But he's oh, building up inside. How God to praise the Lord. He's, I saw him, Doug. There's circles around there, you know, like a blowfly that's hit the ground. Around like that. He's going around and around. And, and then off he came over this way. I'm thinking, man, oh man, now that's expressing praise. So I chased him and shouted after him, and I, he went pretty fast. I had to really run to get up with him all the way around there. But it, it's, see, God looks on that. That's a sacrifice of praise. It's just exuberant, expressive, passionate love that doesn't care a toot what anyone thinks. Wheelchair racing in church on Sunday. What will they come up with next? Man, oh man. Well, you know, Jesus in the New Testament says, I will restore the tabernacle of David which fell down. And the tabernacle of David is not about the tent. It's about the presence and it's about worship and praise and dancing and jumping and celebrating. It's about unrestrained loving on God. You see, that's what you've got to get back to again. Unrestrained loving on God. And who cares if anyone doesn't like the way you dance? You know, sing or shout or whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's like God looks on your heart, so you're not worried about how good you are. You know, and maybe you've got a funny leg, and it's about all you can do. You know, well, do that, you know. Do, I remember being in one meeting. Me, God, he nearly killed me. This guy, this guy had crutches. And, you know, we got into an exciting flow in the Holy Ghost. And so he gets joyful. Well, his way, he couldn't hold couldn't, He started to bang the ground with his crutches. Banged on my foot, nearly, nearly broke the toe. I've never been the same since. But I had to laugh because he was so excited. <laughs> Banging the crutches on the ground. See, you don't have to make excuses. Just let the joy of the Lord flow through you. Express it. Man, oh man, just express it. You know, people, it's hilarious, isn't it, really? I'm going to not finish this. I can see that. I see some people love to wave flags. And we say, flag waving. Well, you know, if a person's really got a passionate heart to worship Jesus and they just want to abandon themselves to wave flags, fine. I don't mind that. You know, but sometimes I find that they want to be right up in the front and wave the flag in my face and look at one another and make sure everyone's looking at them. Well, that's not really anything to do with God, that's all to do with self. Remember, we had some people, and I wouldn't let them do it. And then I said, Sunday night. Oh, you can do it on Sunday night. They said, oh, great. The pastor's free, you know, in the spirit, you know. But then I said to everyone else, bring something along to wave. So we got everyone waving something, throwing things in the air. It was much freer time instead of just a few people with the way, you know, looking at one another. And I just don't go in for any of that kind of stuff. It's about abandoned, passionate, loving on Jesus because of who he is. That brings the presence of the Holy Spirit. He loves it when we thank and, and express gratitude. Another thing is meditation. Meditation means fixing your mind and your imagination. A crucial way of becoming aware of the Holy Spirit is to meditate in the Word of God. Fix your mind on God's Word. Imagine and see truth. If you were just to stop for a moment, begin to pray in the Spirit. So you took a two-minute pause, prayed in tongues, and started to express gratitude and picture in your mind that God is in me. Spirit of God is in me. You would become incredibly conscious of him. It, it's, it's these are the things that just cultivate his presence. 
cultivate and being here. Another thing that we need to, when we're, we're coming near to God, if you want to come near and enjoy His presence, you actually have to have a confidence He likes you and He's happy for you to be there. In other words, you've got to overcome that terrible condemning stuff. You know, the stuff gets in your head, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you did this. It just never stops. It's like the voice of the devil is an accuser just accusing you that you're no good and God is mad at you. Now, that's not the way to do it. The Bible says, Hebrews 4, it tells us, verse 16, come boldly. So in other words, if you're going to draw into the presence of God, be bold. Now, that means put off any condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. If you've got a little issue you need to sort out, confess it and believe God for it to be forgiven, and straight away be back where you were enjoying his presence. God is not preoccupied with sin. He's preoccupied with you enjoying him and releasing his presence. So those are some are those simple things. Nothing's really uh, expectations and other things. You need to expect God. You need to have an anticipation. He'll do something. Oh, he'll just come. If I will give myself to him, I'll start to enjoy his presence. Uh, another thing is I found helpful is just to learn to yield, just to yield to him. So if the Holy Spirit's wanting to bring a flow of joy, well, for goodness sake, just rejoice and sing and clap and be happy. Oh, this is so silly. I think sometimes you know, God's moving and it's a great joy and someone's got very intense. Oh, well, it's lovely. But actually, God is moving on something else. You know, you're sort of in your own little pool over there. And so let, let's flow with what God is doing. See? It's learn how to yield. Uh, practice tuning in to little impressions you get on the Holy Spirit. You know, things that you see, things that you feel, things that you sense. Practice tuning into those and then identifying them and responding to them. You'll cultivate His presence as you yield to His presence. <laughs> <laughs> the more you yield to him, the more you have. So, so those, are, those are simple. There's other things we can do, but those are, those are simple things that I have found constantly help. Be grateful, practice praising and honoring him. Honor attracts his presence. Honor him, express gratitude. Meditate, focus your thoughts. So you begin to see and imagine the truth. God is with me. God is in me. David said, I set the Lord before me. He's ever at my right hand. In other words, he meditated on God being with him and was always aware of his presence next to him. So these, these are such simple things. And, and practice every day. Instead of once a week, come and have a rev up. What a, isn't that so pathetic? It's like, why would you do that? You know, if we mean business in following Jesus, let's enjoy him every day. And during the day, stop for just a couple of minutes and just thank you, Lord. Just calm down, focus your thoughts, and become aware God is with me. Start to praise him and thank him and just talk to him. And you'll find, look, even in a minute, stop at the lights. He'll, he'll, he'll turn up in your car. Just a moment, stop anywhere you stop. He'll turn up just like that. You become conscious of his presence. It really is quite a lot easier than you think. Just come, just come. I'll just finish with this. Finish. You just put your hand on my hand there like that. Okay, I want you just to do this. Just close your eyes. Someone needs to get behind her because she'll start to experience the presence of God in a moment. And it just gets a bit overwhelming. If it gets overwhelming, just go with it, you know. So, so just, that's right. Just close your eyes now. That's right. And just start to just, just begin to thank him, just internally. Just start to thank him. Express your gratitude to him. And then begin to picture he's filling you. He's like a great fire just filling you up. You see, she just falls over under the presence. But it's just all it took was such little things to attract the presence of God. It's far easier than you realize. Because God is wanting in this hour for his people to carry his presence where people are in need. 
you've got to get it. It's not about big meetings. It's not about great ministries. It's about the saints equipped to carry the life of God and give it a go. And if you stop trying to control everything, it's easier to give it a go. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Give her more. More. Come on, Joy, you look like you. Jill. Did I say Joy? I meant Jill, but it's Joy. Joy for Jill. That's right. Just come and stand right next to her because you'll be on the ground lying right there. Don't get up, Vinny. Just stay there. Okay. Oh, look, you can hardly stand. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. Well, I've got a hold of you, and someone will be behind you to catch you.